turn to Revelation chapter 3. The book of Revelation chapter 3. A lot of people get scared when we turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read two verses of Scripture. It's just great to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Praise God. What a beautiful presence of God. Thank you to our wonderful music team that serve us every Sunday. Wonderful hospitality team. And we got to see both those teams at work and our deaf ministry and all of our other ministries at work at conference. And they just did a great job. They carried a a very big load at conference. And I'm so thankful. And uh, one old preacher used to say, because we're not meant to be proud. So I guess I could just say I'm wholly proud of our church. Amen. Put your hands together for all our volunteers at conference. We're thankful for what, what they gave and their sacrifice. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 says this. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no man shuts and shuts and no one opens. To the church of Philadelphia, he says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. Everybody say an open door. And no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. You have kept my word and you have not denied my name I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength you have kept my word and have not denied my name I want to speak today on this title a new year and an open door amen Lord Jesus let faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God Help us not just to be hearers of the word, Lord, but doers of the word also. Speak to our lives, Lord God, Lord. Change us from the inside out. Turn me into a microphone from heaven, oh God, that this church would not hear my words, but they would hear you speak in this house today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and say a new year and an open door. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. A new year and an open door. The writer of the book of Revelation was John. That's why they call him John the Revelator. He wrote the book of Revelation and I guess the book of Revelation for some can be a scary book as it speaks about the last days and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And let me stop and say, you should not be scared about the last days and the second coming of Jesus if you're right with God. Amen. You have no need to fear. You will be ready if you are right with God. But we know John as John the Revelator. In fact, he is known in the Bible as two sort of names. John the Revelator and John the Beloved. John the Beloved. And why do, they, why do they call him John the Beloved? Is because he is the disciple that spoke a lot about love. It was John who said, perfect love casteth out fear. But more than that, John the Beloved, he gets that name because he even wrote of himself. 
When he was writing, he wrote of himself these words about himself, the disciple who Jesus loved. When you read, you're like, man, John is speaking about himself. He's calling himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And you might think, well, that's a little bit over the top for somebody to say, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. But he had a revelation of the love of Jesus. And we got to get a revelation of the love of Jesus. It was John who had that revelation. And he went on to write the book of Revelation. And with all of those things about the second coming and all of those beasts and all those sort of things, John John the Beloved could not become John the Revelator unless he had first had the revelation of the love of Jesus. That in spite of everything that he was going to write in the book of Revelation, he knew that Jesus loved him. And when we know the love of Jesus, we don't have to fear in these last days. We know that Jesus loves us and we can stand with confidence in the last days. And we can call ourselves also the disciple that Jesus loved. Get that revelation. And so John wrote the book of Revelation in John chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, sorry. John was instructed to write a book and to send it to the seven churches in Asia. You read that in verse 11 where they are named. The seven churches are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And so John is writing a book and he's sending it to the seven churches in Asia, those seven churches. And here we read what was written to the angel of the church at Philadelphia. Now, you may say, why those seven churches? These churches were chosen to receive this apocalyptic message because of their geographic location. They were influential places. These churches, these seven churches, were were located along a very strategic and a very important and established trade route. And that trade route was what bought the most popular and populated and influential parts of the whole province. They were very influential churches. And so the Lord knew if John would write to those seven churches, that because of their influence, that the message would go further. But there's more. Those letters are not just for those seven churches because the advice in those letters stands today as a prophetic forewarning to us in 2023. They are forewarning a, 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 um, a warning that there can be snares that can lure us away from our faith. The same things that They struggled within those seven churches. We can struggle today. And we need to make sure that we make our calling and election sure. That we don't fall to the snare that can lure us away from our faith. And so we as a church in 2023 in Canberra are encouraged and exhorted by these letters to the seven churches. And so Philadelphia was a city and uh, it is now known probably most likely as modern day Turkey. And it was a strategic place because it was on a trade route, a special trade route. It was actually called Philadelphia and is called the Gateway to the East. And that city was located in a very narrow mountain pass. 
It was literally the door through the mountains. Philadelphia was the door through the mountains. And though the congregation was small, they weren't a large place, but they understood that even though they had a little strength in that narrow corridor, that narrow valley through the mountains, that they could hold back a large army. And God said to the church of Philadelphia, I have placed a door of opportunity in front of you and nobody can close it. An open door. Everyone say an open door. God had set before the church of Philadelphia an open door. Now, most of the preaching you hear about the open door, especially uh, uh, around this time of year, new beginnings and exciting beginnings and a door of opportunity, you're often going to hear that preached about the open door being a door of opportunity, a door of unprecedented privilege. You'll hear people preach about the door of bountiful blessings and the door of spiritual benefits and we can just walk through that open door and that is all true and that is all good. But if you stop and think about doors, Doors are not just places to go in. They are also places to come out. And so most of the preachings about all these opportunities and blessings and privileges, but the, with closer consideration and in the, the, the context of that passage, doors are for coming in and for going out. Doors open and doors close. The door is not just a means of access, but it's also a means of of exit. And let me say that an open door means that God will not only let us in, but he will also let us out. Mm. And when I stop and think about that, I, I don't like to think about that as a pastor because I would never like to think that, that people would just walk away from God. That people just walk away from the blessings of God. And people just walk away from salvation and, and just go and do their own things. But, but that door is dangerous, but it is there by divine option. God put it there and he said, no man can shut it. And as a pastor, I'd love to shut that door. I love to say, listen, let's, let's, just, let's just live for Jesus. I don't want to see anybody turn their back. But, but that door is there by divine option. You see, it's as if God is saying, I don't want my people feeling like they don't have a choice. The door's open. You can come in. You can walk out. No one's going to shut that door. I don't want anybody getting up on a Sunday morning to come to worship and, and feel like that somebody is making them do it. That door is there by divine option. I don't want anyone coming to worship that doesn't want to be here, that doesn't want to worship me. I am God, but I'm not going to force anybody to worship me. The door is open. You can come in. You can walk away. It's there by divine option. You see, this is the reason. It's because God wants everything we do to be motivated by love. By love. Imagine that. Imagine if I locked all the, the doors of the house and my wife never went outside of the house and I went and bragged to my friends and said, look how much my wife loves me. She never leaves. She's always here, but all the doors are locked. She doesn't have a choice. She really doesn't have a choice. And God wants our service to him and everything we do to be motivated by love. And that is the way it started in the garden. A lot of people struggle to understand why the tree was in the garden. 
because the tree caused problems. But there was one tree that God said, he said, don't touch it. Don't touch it. And the reason why that tree was there, it wasn't protected by a fence. It wasn't protected by guard dogs. It wasn't protected by a moat with crocodiles in it. No, the only thing stopping man from going to the tree was God's word. But the tree had to be there. Why? Because there had to be an option. Because if there was no option to disobey, and there could be no love. Unless somebody could choose not to love, there could be no, no love. And so God wanted a loving relationship with mankind. And so he had to give us a choice. And Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. We have a choice. Everyone say a choice. You can set your affections on things above. You can set your affections on things on this earth. It's your choice. The door is open. And, and, and here it is, church. Some of us, and let me just, let me just get, uh, get real, real, real with you right now. Some of us have been in church so long that we've forgotten what it was like to be saved. Some of us have been in church so long that we've forgotten that, that we were delivered from sin. And we forget that nasty life that we used to live. We've forgotten those feelings that we used to have when we were outside of the promises of God and, and we weren't saved. We've forgotten. And so I'm sorry to say this. Sometimes as a pastor, I pray, God, give them a revelation of what it felt like to not be saved. Because that would give us a fresh appreciation of where we stand now. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be, church? Where would we be? And so God would not allow anybody to shut the door. It stands open before the church today. Yes, we live different as Christians. The difference between the world and the church is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. But we're not just called to live different to the world. We are called to live according to the word of God. A lot of people get that wrong. They think, well, being a Christian just means being different from the world. No, we are different because of the way we live. We live according to the word of God. And so as the world goes down, if, if we were just trying to be different from the world, we would be like this, just maintaining the gap between the, the world and the church. And, and the church would go down with the world. But we are called to live according to the word of God. And the word of God is forever settled in heaven. The flower may fade, the grass may wither, but the word of God is forever settled. It doesn't change. And so the, the word of God just stays consistent. It doesn't change. That's why we can stand firm on the word of God. And so the reason that we are different is because we live according to the word of God. We draw the line where the word of God draws the line. And as the world gets worse and worse, the distance gets greater and greater. We are different to the world because we choose to be different. We choose to live according to the word of God. The door is open. It is there by divine option. It is your choice. We choose to be different. And so I want to speak about some doors to shut and some doors to open. I'm going to take my time. We've only got one service. I can go a little bit longer than I usually do. Thank you. <laughs> some doors to shut. The first door to shut is the door of disobedience. Everyone say disobedience. Well, in fact, in, in the Garden of Eden, it was, we, we learn about sin. The essence of sin is to disobey God's word. 
Because when they partook of the tree that God said not to, that was sin. And so sin is simply this, to disobey God's word. Had a young person once, I said, do you know what sin is? He said, yes. I said, well, what is sin? And he spelt out a three letter, another three-letter word starting with S and ending in X. I said, no, that's, that is not a sin. Well, it is outside of marriage, of course. But I, I said, no, sin is dis- to disobey God's word. It was that way from the very beginning in the book of Genesis. Sin is to disobey God's word. And no matter how good the door of temptation may look like, let me tell you, every single one of us are going to have a door of temptation in front of you. Some of you right now are dealing with a door of temptation. No matter how good it looks like on the outside, we must refuse to open the door of disobedience, the door of temptation. We must keep that door shut, the door to disobedience. Genesis chapter 4 says this, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? And why is your countenance fallen? If, you, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And so shut the door of disobedience and begin to live in the power of obedience. <laughs> I didn't get an amen there. That went down like a lead balloon. The power of obedience. Obedience is not a word you get a lot of amens for. I mean, imagine the government coming out and saying, just obey. We don't like that. Telling me to obey? It's not something we like to do. I'm learning with my sons as well. They want a reason why I, you know, I tell them to do something. They want to ask why. And so I say, just obey me. Nothing makes them happier than the words, just obey It doesn't gel with our modern day thinking, you know, just obey. Compliance and conformity are not popular today. But I want to tell the church today that obedience is powerful. When you obey God, there is a blessing when you obey God. It was obedience that brought down the walls of Jericho. I know we think about the trumpet, but it was obedience that brought down those walls. There is power in obedience. And I want to show you, if you want a blessing on your life today, if you want a blessing, then obey God. The power of obedience. Look in Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 6. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, so Jesus tells him, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Let down your nets for a catch of fish. He tells him, do this, launch out into the deep. And Simon, who doesn't like the idea of just obey, he said, Master, we've been fishing all night. This sounds like me. And have caught nothing. (laughs) We've been fishing all night and have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Doesn't make sense to me. We've been fishing. We're packing up. We're just kind of washing the smell of fish off and bait off our hands. We caught nothing. Just a really poor night on the side of the lake. But Jesus says, go out and do it again. And here is the power of obedience and the blessing. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. 
Shut the door of disobedience and open the door of obedience to God. Because when you live in obedience to God, you can experience the blessing of God on your life. A blessing of abundance when you live for Jesus. So shut the door of disobedience and also shut the door of distraction. Everybody say distraction. There's a tragic accident. I read about it in a circus and I've, I've used this before in another message. But, and that was one of my favorite acts. When, I, when we went to the circus, I, I, I didn't like going to circuses in the ICT because they're not allowed to have animals. But I, I used to love to see the lions and the tigers. You know, I don't know what it is about it. I, I like lions and tigers, but there was something about that man who went into that cage with those lions and tigers. Maybe us as humans have this kind of sick thing where we hope something dang, something's going to happen, you know? Maybe. I don't know. But I used to really like that when in the big cats and he'd be in there with the whip and the, um, the lions and the tigers would be jumping around and, and this, is, this was a world famous uh, lion tamer and he was there and he's entertaining the crowds with the big cats. And he had worked for so long with these dangerous animals. He had been working for many years. But one day, tragedy struck. The day of the accident, he says, was the same as any other day. There was nothing different about this day. Just another circus. Just another city. Just doing the same thing that he's been doing for years with the same lions, the same tigers, the same act. Except for the fact that this day, he got a little bit too comfortable in a dangerous situation. <laughs> Though he, he knew the dangers of those animals. Though he knew, that the animal, he knew those animals better than anybody else. He had been working with them for decades. But in that dangerous situation, he got a little bit too comfortable. And although, yeah, he had seen tragedy happen to other people. But in spite of that, in his own words, this is what he said. I just became distracted. I've done this thousands of times. This was a, just a normal day, a normal act. He said, I just became distracted. And as he was laying in his hospital bed, they said, what was it that distracted you? He said, I don't even know what it was. I was just distracted. And the lion leaped from where it was and clamped down its jaws on the man's skull. The chances that of this lion tamer, he would never walk again. And it's a sad thing that this lion tamer his life was ruined and that a capable young man had lost his mobility. But even more, the tragedy is that it was simply the result of a distraction. A simple distraction. And we've got to deal with distractions everywhere. But let me tell you, church, we've got to close the door of distraction. We cannot be distracted by this world. We cannot be distracted by our flesh. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In light of his injuries, he can't even recall what the distraction was. Right now, as he's laying in the bed paralyzed, he can't even remember what it was, but it was so significant, but so small. It left him open and vulnerable for attack. You see, distractions, everybody say distractions. 
These things, these distractions may not be sin. They may not be sin. They are just distractions. Sometimes they may be even good things. But when they lead us away from God, they are fatal distractions. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, we have this scripture, and I'd never kind of looked at it in this context before. But thou, when you pray, enter into thy closet. When you pray, go somewhere and shut the door. Why do we shut the door so we are not distracted? Why do we close our eyes when we pray? Can anybody find in the Bible where it says, close your eyes and pray? No, the reason why we close our eyes and pray is so we're not distracted. And so the scripture says, go into your closet and pray and shut the door. Pray to thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Hebrews chapter 12 speaks of distraction as well. It says, Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed with a great cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight, okay, and the sin. And so there are sins and there are weights. And those sins, we know what sin is, is to disobey God's word. But we've also got to lay aside the weights, which does so easily Distract us. Lay aside the weight. Don't let it beset you. Let us run the race with patience. And so shut the door of distraction. Shut the door of disobedience. And so there are two things. But then open the door to dedication. Everybody say dedication. Open the door of dedication. Let me tell you, there's two times when you worship God. Two times. When you feel like, when you feel like it, and you don't feel like it. <laughs> I've been around long enough. I know we always, or like to think we're all super spiritual. But there's two times when we come to church when we feel like it and we don't feel like it. There's two times when we worship God when we feel like it and we don't feel like it. And I said this the other night and I, I just kind of got this revelation. You know, my bed never feels as comfortable as it does on Sunday morning. In spite of that. I'm going to the house of the Lord. Let us go and worship God. We've got to open the door of dedication. Under the Old Testament law, a Hebrew slave could only serve for six years. A Hebrew slave could only serve for six years. But in the seventh year, that slave had to be set free. And many slaves in the seventh year, they would leave. They would leave and they would choose their freedom. Everyone say freedom. But some, while they were working for the master, some grew to love their master. And so in the seventh year, when they were free to go, they, choose, they chose to stay on as servants rather than, than to demand their right to leave. They could have left, but because they loved their master, the, the freedom they had to go and walk out the door, they said, no, we're going to stay. And the scripture gives us this account right here. It says, and if a servant, as Exodus 21, verse 5 and 6, and if a servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. They're in the seventh year, I'm free to go, but I love my master. I'm going to stay. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door. Thomas, if you could come here for a second. 
And so what the master would do, as the, the servant would say, I don't want to go. I know I'm free to go, but I don't want to go because I love my master. And so the servant would bring, uh, the master would bring the servant to the door. Everyone say the door. The reason why he brought him to the door is because he wanted to see what was outside the door. This is where you could be. There are all the freedoms you could have. But he made that decision. No, I love my master. I want to stay. I don't want to go. I'm dedicated to the master. Thanks, Thomas. You're doing a good job. He shall bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. So what the master was saying, it's your choice. The door is open. You've got freedom to go out or you can stay here. And it says, and his master shall bore his ear with an oar. That means that he would become a slave or he would stay there with his master. You see, I love my master. I've got freedom in this world. God is not going to force any of you to serve him. The door is open to come in and the door is open to go out. But everything we do, the dedication that we have to God is our choice. And it must be always governed by love. You see, the whole point of being a Christian is not to be set free from any master. A lot of people get the wrong idea of freedom. They think, you know what freedom is? No rules, nothing. Just do my own thing. Go to a country that has no rules or a country where people have no regard for laws. You'll quickly find that that is not a free country. And so becoming a Christian is not that we are set free from any master, but we change masters. Everybody say we change masters. <laughs> we exchange being a servant of sin... And we become a servant of righteousness. We live for God. And let me tell you what will keep you serving God. Let me tell you what will keep you dedicated to be in the house of God and living for God every day. Let me tell you what will keep you. I love my master. I know what this world's got to offer, but I love Jesus. I love him. Let me tell you what will keep you worshiping. I love Jesus. You see, you've got to open that door of dedication. I'm talking about a new year and an open door. Everyone say an open door. So we don't, we don't, just, be, we don't just have no master. No, we change masters. We go from being a servant of sin to a servant of righteousness. Yeah, they are still responsibilities, but the wages of sin is, the wages are different. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 6 verse 22 and 23 says, now, But now being made, from, made free from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and, the end everlast, and in the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Open the door of dedication. The next one is open the door of deliverance. Everyone say deliverance. For reasons of our own choosing, we go through trials. How many people can say they went through a trial of some sort in 2022? Let's be honest. Yeah, we went through trials. Yep, Jesus said it is impossible to get through life without trials. In this world, you will have tribulation. And some of those things, let me tell you, sometimes, Brother Marcio, sometimes life just shows up and slaps you in the face. Where did that come from? Some trials just come 
We don't invite them. And some of the trials, if we're honest, they're of our own making, our own choices. (laughs) And sometimes God allows us to go through trials. Some of us are going to even have considerable trials in 2023. But remember that God may choose to deliver you from the trial or he may deliver you through the trial. The Bible says when you go through the fire, that you're going to come out pure gold. The purity. You see, deliverance comes to those with godly determination. It's your attitude when you go through the trial. It's your attitude that says, you know what? This trial is coming against me, but God is still worthy of the praise. I know I'm having a bad day, but God doesn't have bad days. I know I'm not feeling great, but Jesus loves me. And think about Paul and Silas. They went through a trial. They ended up in jail. But at midnight, we can read it. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 to 26. It says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately the doors were opened. I'm here to preach today, open the door of deliverance. How do you open the door of deliverance? You say, you know what, God? I'm going to praise you no matter what. Whatever I go through, I'm going to worship you. You are first in my life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Let me tell you, open the door. Open the door of deliverance. You see, too often we come to church discouraged and we leave discouraged. We've got to learn to let loose our praise. Everyone say our praise. God inhabits the praises of his people. Look at these scriptures. I wrote these down earlier this morning. Numbers chapter 21, verse 16 and 17. And from thence they went to Beer, and that is a well whereof the Lord spake unto Moses, Gather the people together, and I will give them water. They needed water. And so what did they do? They went to this dried up well. And what did they sing? They sang a song. Spring up, oh well. What, what was that? Israel sang, spring up, oh well. What did they sing to? They sang to the dirt. And sometimes we're going to come to church and it's going to feel like everything's going wrong in our life. But I want to tell you, sing to the dirt. Spring up, oh well, within my soul. Spring up, oh well, and make me whole. Spring up, whatever you're going through, sing and praise God. Open the door of deliverance. You know, we're happy to sing to a waterfall. God, when you're blessing me, oh, you know, we just go to a whole new level, you know. It's like we're the only one in church. But, you know, sometimes when we go through hard times, and I get to stand up here so I know kind of the expressions on your faces sometimes. I'm here, God. But that's about the best you're going to get from me. But I'm also pastor. know some of the trials and things that you go through during the week. And I see people come in and yeah, they're singing to the dirt. Spring up, oh well. Let me tell you, when you begin to praise God, you're opening the door of deliverance. You're opening the door of deliverance. It was Isaiah who said in Isaiah 54 and verses 1 to 3, Sing, oh barren. Oh, it's hard to sing when you're barren. 
but sing because it is it is praise which will bring you out it is praise that will bring the victory it is praise that will bring deliverance in 2023 say nothing's gonna get me down I'm gonna praise God no matter what comes my way and when you praise him you open that door of deliverance and as I get ready to close the last one open the door of destiny everyone say destiny I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door. No man can shut it, for you have a little strength. You have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Yes, the door is for going in, and the door is for going out. But I believe that there is a door of destiny in front of this church. Amen. God is not finished with us yet. And we can think of many reasons why we can't have revival in this city. I'd say to you, this is probably one of the most challenging cities in Australia. You know, when it comes to when we think about the situation and the politics and all the stuff we got, this is one of the most challenging cities. And we can think of so many reasons why we can't have revival in Canberra. But let me tell you, look what the Lord has done. I mean, you've seen how this church is growing. You've seen how we, how we have expanded and we're in two services. If you were here at the end of last year, you saw how quickly the two services are filling up. I want to tell you, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. There is a door of destiny and God is not finished yet. I know. We may have a little strength, but God's going to open some doors. God doesn't need us to do the heavy lifting. No, we don't need to do the heavy lifting. We just walk through the door. God will do the heavy lifting for us. All we need is a little strength, the Bible says. All you need is a little strength. Why? Because his strength is made perfect in our weakness. We keep saying, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm putting my faith in you. And his strength is made perfect in our weakness. I know we got a little strength, but we can make it with a little strength. You see, me and God are a majority. (laughs) The second one was, you have a little strength, but you have kept my word. And we are a church that believes in the word of God. This is where it's all at. Find yourself a church that preaches the word of God. Find, don't go trying to find a good preacher that can tickle your ears. Find a church that preaches the word of God. Don't go looking for a church that's got great music. I love great music. But find a church that preaches the word of God. Find a church that is going to preach you the infallible word of God. And the Bible says that the door was open to the church of Philadelphia because they kept the word of God. Let me tell you, where there is a high dedication to the word of God, there is high anointing. Every solution, direction, and opportunity we need to find success in God's kingdom is found in his word. And if God has given you a word, no one can stop it. If God opens the door, no one can shut it. No one can block it. Let me tell you, in 2023, we're going to keep the word of God. We're going to keep preaching the word of God. Open the door. Open the door to destiny. A new year and an open door. And the third one, as the musicians come, you haven't denied my name. What's so significant about the name of Jesus? 
You see, God has many titles and many roles in the Bible. However, there's, there is one name that he has known. Even when he was born, they said, and his name shall be Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The name of Jesus. If we are to receive power from on high, it comes from calling on the name of Jesus. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Giving thanks to the Father by Him. The name of Jesus. You see, the open door of destiny was to the church of Philadelphia because number one, they had a little strength. Number two, they kept the word. Number three, they didn't deny the name. You see, we are told in the Scriptures time and time again. A lot of people look into, the, into prophecy and they, they talk about the Antichrist coming and that's going to happen. But the Scripture also says that the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in the world today. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a university graduate to know that. Just know that. One, one preacher said even blind Freddie can see that. That the spirit of the Antichrist is at work in the world today. Try going to work. You can talk about believing in God, but then just mention the name of Jesus and watch the tension rise in the room. We're not going to deny the name of Jesus. You see, this spirit of the Antichrist is a spirit that stop, tries to stop us from doing everything in the name of Jesus. You see, we are not going to deny the name. And when we have a little strength, when we keep the word, when we don't deny the name of Jesus, there is an open door and no one can shut it. Everybody say no one. The world can't shut it. Public opinion can't shut it. The devil can't shut it. The skeptics can't shut it. The government can't shut it. You know what? They can't stop the church. All those Caesars in history couldn't stop the church. The flames, the flames at the stake couldn't stop the apostolics. Let me tell you, there is a door of destiny for the church today. Let's stand all across this place. Now for every single one of us here today, this is my prayer, that we would begin to dream. The Bible says in the last days, there will be dreamers and prophesiers. But we need to dream God-sized dreams. God-sized. We need to pray God-sized prayers. Mum preached a, a few years ago that we insult God with our little prayers. Dream God-sized dream. Pray God-sized prayers, God-honouring prayers. We need to ask God for something that's bigger than us. Open the door of destiny. And on this first Sunday in 2023, I'm preaching to a church that is, has a little strength. I'm preaching to a church that will not deny the name of Jesus. I'm preaching to a church that's standing on the Word of God. Let me tell you who you are. Yeah, this is just a local church in the little suburb of Chifley, one of the smallest cities in Australia. Just a, a little church. But let me tell you, the local church is the hope of the world. 
But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. That wasn't spoken to a huge crowd. That was spoken to a local church. The local church is the great hope for the world. You say, Pastor, when's the rapture happening? Let me tell you, I'm preparing to go and I'm preparing to stay. Jesus is coming back. We're going to open that door of destiny. We're going to see revival in our city. We're going to see revival in our families. We're going to see revival in our region. We're praying for Kudamunda and Junee and Bega and Tumut, all those places in Wagga Wagga. We're praying. We're going to open that door of destiny, somebody. So let me ask you some questions. What are you going to do with your life from this point on? Are you going to invest? What are you going to invest in? Let me tell you, this is my word for you. Only what you do for Christ will last. There's some doors to close and there's some doors to open. It's a new year and a new beginning. Let's lift our hands and receive this right now, what God is speaking. Hallelujah. For some of you, I know it's hard. After 2020, 2022, maybe you're here today, you're not feeling it. I tell you, God is faithful. If He did it before, He can do it again. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Help us to understand the power of obedience. Help us to understand the power of praise and worship. Come on, church. Let there be some intercession right now, some prayer. Pray over your family, your children, over the city, over our region. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are you going to do with your life from this point forward? Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This altar is open if you want to come and pray. Maybe you need to step up to this altar and make some fresh commitments to God. You can't make it down here. Find a place where you're sitting. Kneel, lean on the chair in front of you. But let there be fresh commitments here on this first Sunday. Somebody get ready to walk through the door of destiny. Hallelujah, yes. Somebody's getting ready to walk through the door of deliverance. Come with a praise on your mouth.